Welcome to Teacher Talk with Chrissy Nichols, the podcast that offers real tools and real conversations to help you feel good about teaching and yourself again. As a teacher who has spent more than two decades in the classroom, I get it. I know you have a lot to do, so if you need help right now, book a free consult call at www.thechrissyconcept.com. That's the C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-C-O-N-C-E-P-T dot com. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to Teacher Talk and Episode 78, where I am in conversation with math and physics teacher Teddy Anderson. Teddy came to teaching later in life. Before that, she was a raft guide in the Grand Canyon for years, a mountaineer, a backpacker. She's pretty much done it all. In this conversation, we talk about Teddy's road to teaching, her burnout, why she left the classroom, and the fatigue she felt early on in her teaching days. If you also struggle with fatigue and burnout, you won't want to miss this episode of Teacher Talk. Enjoy. Teddy, thank you so much for coming on to Teacher Talk. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chrissy. The first thing I want to talk about before we kind of get into your story of burnout and leaving teaching is how did you become a teacher? Well, um, I didn't go to college until I was 38 or 39 is when I started. So I was a river guide and I was traveling all over the world and having a bunch of fun. And most of the work I did required manual labor and um, that didn't feel sustainable for the long run. So I kind of always knew I wanted to go to college. So when I finally made the commitment to begin, um, I was already, you know, I'd already been 20, 20 years of doing other things. And um, so then as I started calling, and I knew I wanted to be a teacher, um, just because I like being around people. And so when I started college, I just, um, kind of kept taking more and more math classes and realized that, um, wherever my intention was in the beginning, that that was what was drawing me the most. So I did math and physics in college. I can attest listeners to the fact that Teddy is an amazing teacher. I got to be her river assistant for two weeks, some of the best two weeks of my life. And I saw her teach about geology. <laughs> and she just had those kids wrapped in the palm of her hand. So Teddy, why did you decide to become a woman of science? At first, I thought you were maybe going to go towards social studies or geology. But what drew you to physics and math? Because I watched that happen. And I just thought that was amazing. Yeah, it's funny because until I became a teacher, I never really um, saw who I was as a teenager, but I was um, one of those kids who was always, math was always really easy and I loved it. And I let everybody down because I was just such a horrible child <laughs> as a teenager. So um, I, st I definitely started out very much ahead in math when I entered high school and um, then just kind of barely graduated, that type of thing. So when I started school, I just kind of remembered how much I loved it. But it had been so, so, so long that um, it took me, I mean, I just watched these youngsters in my classes just, 
you know, their brains just worked a lot faster and better. So I do think that gave me more tools for teaching to have to really work through everything really carefully and thoroughly in order to like, you know, get good grades. And then I just couldn't quit. Just once I, every math class I'd take, I'd say, well, I can't quit now. I have to take the next one. And then next thing you know, it's like, well, I guess I better pick a major that fits all of these math classes I've already taken. And that was physics. Well, and this is a public thank you because Teddy got me through algebra. I had to take an algebra class to relicense um, when I was going from independent school to public school. So thank you, Teddy, for getting yes. me through algebra. We had the same teacher with all his really cool t- math math pun t-shirts. Yes, and they had <laughs> unicorns on them. Yes, they did, and rainbows. <laughs> okay, well, so let's fast forward to the present moment. And in the present moment, you are still teaching. You're teaching one brain at a time. You're tutoring. But you just made the decision to leave the classroom. You had started a job teaching physics. Tell us what led you to say, nope, I am no longer going to be in the classroom. What led you to leave? Um, Yeah, part of it, I think I... um set myself up a little bit for more work because I was teaching math for two years and I was not given any curriculum or anything, just absolutely zero. There was no textbook that really matched the standards, the state standards. So I truly just had to work nonstop for my first year. Um, I mean, you know, till 8 p.m. every night, like it was awful. Everyone just said, don't do that. But it made my second year a lot easier. But then then I decided to go a different direction and, and start teaching physics. And I'd been working on all these different endorsements and stuff. And I was really starting back at square one. And there were definitely more resources at my new school, like so many more resources. So it's really not um, anything they did wrong. <laughs> as far as my new job was concerned, um, the physics teaching, I just felt like here I am again, I'm starting all the way over And this is like untenable. Like I really can't be a first year teacher again because it just about destroyed me. And even even my second year math teaching, I was teaching a new class. I was teaching a concurrent enrollment college class. And so the prep was really still there. There was still a ton of prep for that class. So I just felt like, what have I done? I've kind of, you know, kind of starting over again. And um, it was not sustainable. It was just way too much work. And um. I realized that I wasn't really doing my best work trying to manage, you know, classes full of 35 people. And it just kind of took the joy out of teaching for me, frankly. And as I watched you move through the challenges of those early days and back to school, one of the challenges you reported, Teddy, was maybe a third of your students would show up and a different third would be doing their homework. How did you deal with that? What was your mind space like during that time? Um, yes, that's a great question. Um, it just, I mean, and, and as a reminder, then there's, you know, in my big classes, there's five kids in every class who are just amazing students. And you just think, I am so sorry that like 95% of my energy is going to the rest of the class. Like it's just a real disservice to those kids. Um, and as far as just the attendance issues and everything, I, I actually felt like it made me so much worse of a teacher because in order to just pre- like conserve some of my energy, my answer just kind of had to be it's all on Canvas because I would spend so much time building up my Canvas pages and just making Canvas 
And Canvas, of course, is the computer software that you would use to post assignments and where kids would find out what they were doing. This is high school, of course. Yeah. And so I I just kind of had to turn into a bit of a robot about that. And kids would show up and say, what did I miss? And it's like, okay, I haven't even learned your name yet. I'm sorry. A. B, I don't know what days you were gone. C, even if I did know what days you were gone, I don't remember what we did that day. So I can either like sit here with you at the beginning of class for five minutes and figure this out. And everyone else in the classroom will just be sitting there waiting for us to figure this out. Or I can say it's all on Canvas. Go to Canvas. So it was just sort of that's it just kind of I just kind of had to turn into a robot and just be like, it's on Canvas. It's on Canvas. And of course, most of the time, the kids wouldn't go to Canvas and get what they missed. So it just turns me into kind of a bad teacher because I'm not able to like help these students who need help catching up. But I can't do that with a third of my class every single day. So it just felt impossible, really. And at what point did you really decide, you know what, I can't do this anymore. This is it. It's because I was so tired. I just kind of thought, um, you know, I had moved um, to to start this new job to be closer to my family. And I realized, okay, I've been here a few months. And every single time I've seen my family, particularly the young kids, the nieces and nephews, I'm so tired. I'm just barely able to even keep my eyes open. And I just thought, I can't do this. I can't. This is not worth you know, this big life change to move up here if this is how it's going to be. And finally, Teddy, thinking about all of the Teddies out there who are also struggling um, right now, exactly in this kind of fatigue, in this kind of overwhelm with these attendance issues, not set up for success as you were at your old school. Maybe they don't have the curriculum they need. Maybe they don't have the tools that they need. What kind of advice would you give teachers who are having fantasies of quitting, but maybe just can't quit right now? Or, um, you know, it's just for them not an option? Yeah, I I think my advice would be, and you know, maybe the economy is going to change, but we're in a place right now where workers really have the upper hand. And it has nothing to do with like holding your school hostage and, you know, making demands and whatever. But for instance, you know, had I gone back to my first job and just said, I need a curriculum, I need a textbook, I need something I can use. And if not, I can't stay here, then I, I just don't think they would have had any other choice. That was in a rural district where they, it, when, when I quit, it took them, they, it took them six months before they even had a single applicant for the job. (laughs) And the six months was like a week before the next school year started, they finally found someone. So had I known now, you know, had I known then what I know now, just something like that, just basically saying it has nothing to do with being mean. It has nothing to do with acting like, you know, acting like, I have all the power, but just truly what it is that you need. Teachers are so in demand right now that like it is the time to just say, I cannot do this job unless I have this. And you need to find money to get me those books or whatever it is you think you need. I love that. Ask for what you want. That is a powerful reminder and that we do have power. And I think often in education, teachers just shrug their shoulders and say, you know what, I can't control the schedule and I can't control my students and I can't control the parents or the admin. But there is so much we do have control of. So thank you for reminding us, Teddy. 
You're of welcome. that. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Of course. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Please join us in the next episode. This has been a great conversation with Teddy Anderson. Have a great week, everybody. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode, teacher friends. If this podcast speaks to you, please share it. Share Teacher Talk with one teacher or administrator or educator in your life. To continue the conversation and have life-changing tools and resources sent directly to your inbox, join my weekly newsletter, Teacher Talk, at www.thechrissyconcept.com. That's the C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-C-O-N-C-E-P-T.com. There, you can also book a consult with me. That's a one-on-one conversation to see if coaching might be just what you're looking for. Sometimes one call is all it takes. Have a great day in and out of the classroom, my friends. We'll see you next time.